Hey guys, I want to welcome you back to Halftime Chat and I am excited that Angie Stone has returned. Now for you, those who don't know, um, I had an interview with Angie Stone um, but we had some technical difficulties um, with, with a, a junior interview so we had to postpone it and um, as she's getting ready to, to tour and stuff so we just got uh, words about being able to reschedule the interview today so um yeah i'm looking forward to speaking to angie just to cover some of the things that we didn't cover in the first interview and if you remember the first interview they get to talk about the sequence um talk about sort of her transition into um as a, uh, from vertical hold to her solo career uh, and we touched a little bit about her time working with Brown um, D'Angelo on the Brown Sugar album as well. So, as I said, we didn't get to cover as much, even though we had 30 minutes and stuff. But um, hopefully we can get a little bit more today and um, we take it from there. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Angie. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Hi, Angie. <laughs> How you doing, babe? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. Good. <laughs> yes. Well, appreciate um, being able to uh, get this interview rescheduled. I know the last time um, yeah. <laughs> we had some technical difficulties at the end. That's okay. Uh, do, um, where, I, where I stopped the last time, I was talking to you about Brother, about the single, and about the impact it made as me, because I, I was living in Los Angeles at the time when you released it, and the impact right. it had on me as a as a black man living in the states, looking at the video, uh, and we don't get too many inspirational songs for black men, and I and I wanted to get, right. you know, where you thought about the concept of of doing that, and did you realize the impact it would have? Well, Harold Lilly, myself, and Raphael Sadiq, oh, wow. uh, uh, that was where the birth of the song took place. Harold uh, Lilly actually uh started writing the song and you know it was just like uh freaking frack uh Raphael is super 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 talented and the magic began to happen mm -hmm. um the more they came up with the song the stronger we got in as a whole because now there was a purpose-driven song. So now I had to put in my head, how am I going to approach this? Because I could, one, uh, get blackballed. I mean, they could say she's racist. She doesn't want to do nothing but black records. And, you know, we're not going to play it. Or they could say, you know, we're going to support her because it ain't but one idea. We got to let her go on to do a thing because it could, it could send the wrong message if we don't do it. So I think that they embraced it, not knowing the impact that it would have on our uh, up, up and coming generation. And I think it was a great uh, move, mainly because all of the, the, the police brutality and the mm -hmm. meetings that started to come down the pipeline, we had something to reference and look, look to. Um, and the song is still very relevant yeah. today because uh, they won't let they won't let it go. Yeah, no, because there's, there's not too many. I mean, there's not too many songs that try to lift up the black the black men, uh, and and that seems to be the community in which, for somehow, especially in America, because uh, I'm I'm Nigerian uh, heritage. I was born in England. I went mm -hmm. to college in the U.S. 
but I, I noticed that the, the America had more black fathers went in the homes as in most places. And so it was a very powerful song. Um, and, and were you surprised with how successful it became? Mm, yes, I was, because, I mean, I knew James Brown had did, did say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud Yeah, many, many years before. But I think for the millennium and the generations to come, they needed something new and fresh that was connected to their reality. So uh, having the college students, the high school students, and the basketball players and all of the actors and different people. Yeah, Will Smith uh, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, then we have the Will Smiths and, you know, all those people in your video. It kind of says, hey, we are the marching on. We are here. We are the crew. We are the uh, foundation. We, you know, they become the landmark of, look, I am you and you are me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there is one person who sadly is not around that doesn't get enough credit and exposure uh, who who ha- wrote a massive song for you, um, Andrea Martin. Oh, listen. I, I I live with that every time I perform. Wish I didn't miss you because that is she and I singing that song together. Oh, she sang? Okay. Uh, yeah, she sang uh, every time you hear, you know, with that, I can't eat. That's she and I together. And it was as if two sisters were uh, in the studio together and we were having a blast. And when I got tired, she jumped right in and carried me and started singing and, and held a lot of it together when I was exhausted. But every time I do that song now, I leave uh, some of the backgrounds in so that I can hear her there. She will always be uh, a part of my legacy and the history and people will always that sing that song. They will always hear her. And, uh, but I'm, I'm just overwhelmed that I had the, uh, you know, ability and the time to work with her. Um, Harold, uh, I'm sorry, Andrea Martin and Ivan Matias wrote that song. And uh-huh. Ivan called me about a month ago. He said, I have a hit for you. And, you know, it's the first time we're trying to do something without her. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll you know, cross that bridge when we get to it. But, but Andrea Martin, uh, it, it's still hard for me to, to, believe that she's gone she was an amazing songwriter and producer yeah i think and that's the thing because she she wrote um um the big hit for um uh, don't go out for in vogue um and 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 i think waterfalls and not but because she wasn't a singer as well we didn't most of us would outside of the industry wouldn't have known who she is and that's why yeah but she is a singer that's her singing on wish i didn't miss you um, with yeah. me she is a singer. I'll get back to you, Chris. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So that because that's. I mean, it's it's when you look back at your catalog. I mean, I know you're you're coming around with some new stuff now. But what is your your Angie Stone song that you think? Okay, this is what. Maybe not your favorite, but the one that you think actually everyone associates with Angie Stone. I, I love pissed off. I love bone to pick. Uh, I love uh, Greengrass Vapors. Um, a lot of my early record was more hip-hop soul. Mm. Uh, 
by the time Mahogany Soul came out, it was a little watered down, but it was authentic Neo Soul, according to this term Neo. <laughs> but uh, uh, Greengrass Vapors, I love you the way a man loves his money, uh, $20. Uh, you know, Greengrass Vapors, a uh, bone to pick with you. Uh, all those songs were grit, grind, and they were all me. Mm. And so... For, with the exception of one or two songs that was written by Stephanie Bolton, uh, uh, Freedom Lyles and I did that album. And he actually wrote a song on this new album, which uh -huh. I'm super excited about. It's a great, it's going to be a great club record. And it makes me miss working with him. Wow. I mean, I mean, especially with the, what, what has led you to, um, to come back? and start releasing new music, especially as the industry seems to have changed slightly since when in the well, heyday. I never left, but I, I can tell you this. Uh, every deal that I've had, every album that I've dropped, I've been switching labels. I've been going from this place to that place. And most of the time it was, you know, when you go to independent labels, they don't have enough money to properly promote the single. So you'll put one out. And if it doesn't go to the top, top, they, they very well seldom want to put more money into a second single. So it got to the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm done. Because if they don't have the money to compete, I'm wasting great material. On, it's just sitting on the shelf. And once I had decided I was done with that, then I had a company pursue me. That made the difference when SRG says, we want Angie Stone. I was like, my eyes popped open because I'm like, okay, this is the change in the road. Because here's a company that's saying, we want to put our money where our mouth is. We love her. We need to invest in her. This is the kind of deal we want to do. Can she make it happen? And uh, just listening to that, that drive and that determination made me say absolutely because now I have partners. I wasn't by myself. Yeah, I mean they um because I've interviewed the uh, rough ends and and they 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 they're part partnered with SRG and they have done well in in you know trying to push their music the videos, um and I and I know recently they just brought up on on Chaka Khan so it looks as if they are really trying to take a hold of, of, of R&B music and, and really make a statement. Yes. I really uh, believe that they, they will do a great job. So what are you working on a, a full album? As, as oh, yeah. I'm just about I'm just about one song away from finishing the album. Wow. OK. And, and so do you have a time frame as to a single dropping <clears throat> before the album or, or what's what? Well, you're gonna get the single on the tenth of next month. Okay, tenth um, of March. And when you get that, uh, we'll be gearing up for the album release shortly after that. How how does it feel being back in this sort of mode of album music? Uh, <laughs> I is you know what I have to wait until I see the rhythm how the temperature is with the record. I know a hit record. I've had quite a few. <laughs> so I I know when they genuinely are feeling a record. My my thing is that when we start feeling it, we'll all know. Once that happens, I think everybody that has been contemplating doing uh the song or the album will will either embrace it or reject it. Yeah. The um when I was telling people that I'm, I'm 
break, I'm going to um, I'm interviewing you. A lot of people were f- f- said to talk about your movie career, and you know, as much as your singing career, you know, the, you know, you went from you know, um, yeah, hot chicks and to find temptations, and then mm-hmm. what? How did the the transition to acting um, for you? Well, well, I always was an actress. I, I I wanted that before singing. I just became famous singing first, oh. but it which kind of pushed me away from the acting because I was so busy touring and trying to keep up with my music that by the time, you know, I really started pursuing my film career, which which started to take off pretty quickly. Um, I found myself in the throes of putting a record out and trying to do this movie and trying to run, promote this, can we go to this movie premiere? And so I realized until either one of them was making me enough money to really cancel or engage the other one, I had to kind of balance the scales. So if a movie comes and it's really a nice, Hot Chick was a great movie for me. It, I didn't have a whole lot of work to do and they paid me a decent salary. Uh, the Fighting Temptations was a fun movie for me. It was it it it, it afforded me the union, uh, my health care, and everything else I got. Now I'm looking to get. I just did a movie called Whole Phase. I did a uh, Lincoln Heights TV. Uh, I did uh, In the Cut TV. I mean, there's been quite a few TV shows wow. that uh, I've been doing, and people are starting to see my work as an actress. And, and they're taking it full on, but I've had to crawl before I could walk. There was a movie that uh, uh, Jill Scott and I was up for at one time, but I had to play a boss woman and woman. And and Jill ended up getting a part. And I remember Idris Elba telling me, babe, you got to know who is in your camp. Some of the people that you work with, the producer told Idris, we want Angie Stone, but Jill's people were uh, 80s on a prior movie before that, and they, they let it be known that, look, you got to hire this girl. This girl's great. She just, so she had somebody on the inside kind of egging it on, which I'm, 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 I'm happy that she got the job, but it made me feel good that Idris was the lead on the, on, in the male role, and he told me that the producer wanted me. Wow. So uh, yeah. that made me feel like I was, you know, I'm a real actress. I mean, it's just the, you know, powers that be. And that's why sometimes we have to be careful of the company we keep. Wow. But when, when something like that happens, does that have any conflict between yourself and Jill? Or Oh, no, no, no. I can't be mad at her because her team, if her team is that strong and they got in the fight and interceded for her, then, you know, the best team won. Okay. I, I can't be mad. She didn't take it from me if he didn't make it mine. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lesson for all of us as well to 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 learn from that. Um, one of the big shows was R and B Divas as well. Because um, what was your experience on 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 that show? Well, the the R and B Divas had its its pros and its cons. It was a great show, but I think it depicted women as angry black women. And what I did not want to do was uh, uh, dilute the industry. We're all mad and we're all angry and we all want to be, you know, successors over one another. When my ploy in the show was to keep us all singing so that the the world would not forget 
that we are all unique voices. We all have a sound and there's a place for each and every one of us. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's straight because I've 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 um, interviewed Nikki Gilbert as well as Monifa, uh, Stacey Francis, and uh, and because I'm in England, I didn't get to see the show. Uh, but when I was telling everyone I'm interviewing, every they kept talking about the show. And when I watched watched it, it it's um, you're right. It it it's the way the um, filmmakers decide to show a, a particular part that. I'm sorry. In, oh. Yeah, I say it. Yeah. it, it yeah, it, it was sad that the filmmakers did not want to focus on your strengths, which were the singing and and legacy. Yeah, they, they wanted, wanted to, they wanted to create the fighting, and you know, uh, they they were selling drama, and so being that Atlanta Housewives and those shows had become extremely big in in the state, they were competing with uh, the network. Mm-hmm. that was the sister or the brother network. And so the thing was to, if they could sell this many, you know, have this many viewers, then so can we. So we've got to create a narrative where people want to see you and they don't want to see you singing. They want to see you bickering and fighting. Wow. When you're on the show, are you able to see what's happening and say no? Or is it afterwards? You're able to but when you're, when it's pre-scripted, you don't know what the plot is until it gets going. And but by that time, you're doing already. Okay. Wow. The um, you know, one of the big things that um, um, the big shift that happened in the '90s is when the shockwave in the music industry when Clive David gets ousted from Arista. Uh, and he goes to form J Records, and you know that's where we saw. And and at that time, we didn't realize, you know, how what J Records was gonna to, to how it's gonna be, and it looked as if he was able to take a handful of people with him to start this new record from scratch. Um, I I noticed that you joined a, a, a J Records, which you know, which was a big risk. I mean. Did you did you think at that point in time like wow I'm gonna take a risk? Well, I actually no, I I made the choice to stay with L.A. Reid. Oh, um, I understand. And I, I was gonna stay at Aristide. It was my choice. I did not pick to choose to leave with uh, Peter Edge and Clyde. I decided I would stay. And when I when I decided to stay. Uh, L.A. Reid uh, sat me down and he said, Angie, you know, I have Usher, I have TLC, I have this one, I have that one. He gave lists of, you know, artists that have to come out before you. And I feel like I owe it to them because they've been waiting all this time. So even if you stayed, and I just thought that was that was a risk because I was hot right now. No more rain was a hit. So why do I got to wait a year or two to everybody else comes out before you do a follow-up single on a record that's already winning? Mm-hmm. And at that point, I felt like he was trying to tell me in so many ways, you would not be a priority here. Wow. And so when Clive and them told everybody I was coming with them, it was because Peter Edge had signed me and he wanted to make good on his signings. Angie's coming with me. 
So he took me right over there. Yeah. And I mean, so I- with that, with, 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 with that happening, I wasn't mad because I was grateful that he didn't get angry because I didn't choose him to begin with. <laughs> but once again, I became like the school teacher at, at, at high school. Uh, everybody else was in high school and I was in college there in my mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he came out with my, my, my mahogany soul and, um, you know, and, and as I said, J records became, <laughs> you know, because he was yourself, Alicia Keys, he had Luther, Carlos Santana. I mean, it, 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 it you know, he took, he took a number of, of of people, and and all the all, almost everything seemed to turn to uh, well gold or platinum um, on J Records. Right. Yeah. Did did you feel that there was a different thing that, that were they putting more energy in trying to make the label successful? That's where you. Well, think- I just think because they were uh, artists that have not been released, they had not lost any money on those artists, so it was easier to invest an artist that didn't have a debt. Mm. I think I went into it and I had a debt already. So why would we invest more money into the debt before we, you know, got any money from the new, you know, start? And so I began to be a person of interest to make sure I coached some of them to greatness at the label. But of course, that was almost like saying, you know, we'll get around to you when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's parts of the industry that we, uh, as fans, weren't aware of during that time. We were just so caught up in the music. But I think subsequently we're hearing a lot of the stories and and, and the challenges that, and especially during lockdown, um, things like you mentioned about you know, publishing and, uh, and points, things that we would never have known because we were so mesmerized by videos that we did not realize behind the scenes how challenging things were for uh, for the artists. Yes. There's um, so much going on with, with regards to um, the industry in terms of, you know, how they move and some of the decisions that they make. So for me, it's been one of those things where I've seen quite a bit and I've made, I think, healthy choices for myself. Yeah. As a songwriter, um, I noticed you did um, a collaboration, but we shouldn't get a lot of promotion um, every day with Mary J. And yeah, no, I did not. No, no, no. That was an an unfortunate mishap. Um, When I did that song, every day I did that song, that song for myself, I was pregnant with my uh, son. And D'Angelo and I, you know, did that song. It was at one point that Mary J. Blige and uh, MCA heard the record and they begged us for the record. And they said, well, you know, can we at least, you know, try it to see what it sounds like? And uh, he and I both at the time did not want to do it because it was a song that we had, you know, we had worked, start working on my album. Mm-hmm. And so there, at that point, uh, we agreed to let her demo it to see how she sounded, but our vocals was always there. I, I sang uh, all of the backgrounds, and so did D'Angelo. He and I sang the backgrounds. Mary didn't sing any background. She tried to mimic the lead that I had there because they they 
they love the song and we did not like what we was hearing. We didn't think it was, you know, what we were capturing. So we both decided at that time that we were not going to let her have the song. It was after and, and uh, they had booked studio time for the, you know, for her to demo it. Um, mind you, we had studio at home, so we took our files there. We had our own stuff. And once we didn't like it, they had those masters uh, at, at MCA. And they waited, you know, after I put the record out with Devox, I put the record out overseas and I put the record out in the States. They released that unfinished wow. uh, demo uh, they leaked it out to the public. And you listen at YouTube, you can hear someone uh, say they got an unreleased joint with Mary J. Blige, but it's really me on the track singing underneath Mary. She tried to do the lyrics, and which I have really been very upset about it because it was along with Die, there's a song called Paradise and Every Day, which are both were written together. It was the first song I'd ever written uh, as a you know partnership with D'Angelo. And they took both of those songs and they released the demo masters without permission. That is why, you know, I just found out this year that they released it as a B-side single or something, but they never released it overseas. I mean, in the States because I, I wasn't supposed to know it. So the version that you all got was never uh I didn't give them any permission to to do that. And as you could see, it was a horrible fail for Mary because she didn't she couldn't get behind and fight and support it because it was not hers to do that. Wow. And you couldn't do anything? Is it, I don't know how that works in the how can, can they just do that? Well they stole it. I mean it's not can you just do that? I can go back right now and sue them, but what they would have to do is go uh, I, to the licensing company, uh, which is probably universal, probably the same company I was under and see, you know, sue somebody for releasing the masters. No one should have been able to go in MCA and get those masters and release a song without our permission. Wow. So even if I wanted to cut the song Die Over, she called it Paradise, but uh, I wrote the lyrics, I did the song, D'Angelo and I sang and recorded, and then she put a voice on top of it. I wanted to go back and do that. It, it, it would drag us both through court. And my thing is, from one sister to the next, I don't want to see that happen. So I was trying to deal with it from a diplomatic point of view. I don't want to sue you. I don't want to make a big deal out of it. But you can't just get away with this because even though you're not really using it, you're using it more than me, and I can't use it without having an explanation as to why I'm doing my own song. Oh, goodness. Did, did that affect your relationship with her? Absolutely. I, I don't I don't uh, engage. I don't dislike her. We will speak, uh, but I have yet to talk about that. I have John McClain, who is a good friend to both of us. He's aware of it, and he's been trying to get her manager to address it. So what I'm doing right now uh, with my uh, legal uh, partnership is I'm addressing it from another angle. Oh. And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to have all of 
of the royalties, if any, uh, uh, brought back over to me. Oh, is that John McClain, Michael Jackson, John McClain? No, it's just the, uh, yeah, that's John McClain and Michael Jackson. Wow. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You went big time. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yes. Wow. No, that's disappointing. And and I think that these are things that we we probably, as I said, oh, I thought it was something that you and D'Angelo did for, for, for Mary and we wondered why it didn't have a video and, and stuff, but I guess that's, that's the sad things that we, we are, we are learning about how the industry. Yeah. The we politics. did not, we didn't have a video because they were, sneaking it under the radar normally why would three big artists that work on a song like that not have a collaboration yeah. more credible than that if they stole it wow like and especially since you you i mean the the, the, the both you and deandre were with with dynamite at, at during that time during the whole soul and 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 stuff so it would yeah just... i i do that song everywhere i go people you can tell who is the originator of the song because the performance speaks loud and clear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing mm -hmm. like singing your own song because you know where it came from, I would assume. Yes. Yeah. How, 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 many, how much of your did you write on your own on this album? How many did you just, or, uh, or did you? On, on your new album? This record that I'm on now? Yes. I wrote some of, uh, uh, so far, I wrote on about four songs. But it, the songs were crafted by different producers and writers, and, and we kind of go in and you know write a bridge here or write a line here, you know, because it's not you know for nothing we don't want to uh, jumble the chemistry. So if the, if it's winning, we're not going to fix something if it's already winning. Yeah, no, I don't care who wrote it if it's, <laughs> if it's good. Now the, the industry has changed a, a lot. So because back when uh, the the 80s and 70s and uh, 90s we had a lot of uh church driven female and male artists so we could feel the soul that they were learning uh, 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 that type of soul uh today's female r&b acts they uh, they they sound very similar um it almost sounds like they're they're, they're talking and mumbling um and so but that seems to be and the lyrics a little bit more X-rated, um, and that seems to be what's more popular um, on radios and and stuff. How did that? Well, it's the narrative that is met by radio. You know, they program what they want to play, and if you play enough of that, that becomes the norm. But but how does that affect how you are, are coming creating your new music? Knowing that this is what seemed like Scissor and Jasmine Sullivan and all these uh, that the sound, uh, not Jasmine, I, I would say her and um um that that are sounding similar, um uh, Money Love and um that's that's sounding similar. How do you expect to um, work with your label to say, okay, I'm going to be Angie Stone, and and, I, and I've got my my soul, my Neil soul, and and, and, and or whatever we want to call it. <laughs> You're and saying how do we fit into the narrative of the day? We don't. We're not, we're not catering to the millennials. Those people are catering to the millennials. So okay. what you're getting is a millennial structure of soul music. What we're doing is we're catering to our age group. And what will happen, we can't make a record that's conducive for who we want to reach, uh, trying to follow a narrative that my 25 year old son is reaching. <laughs> I'm, I'm 
past that age twice already. So my thing is, there's no way I can cater to that audience unless he writes my song. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, so but it, I- it kind of makes sense mm-hmm. that, you know, they they have their narrative and we have ours. If you, you know, if you are 30, 40 plus, you're looking at the kind of music that I make. If you are 25 and under or 30 and under, you're looking at the music my son makes. Yeah, no, no, it's true. But I wonder. Yeah, so I can't, we can't change uh, perception. Right Mm -hmm. now, SZA and, you know, her and all of them, they're speaking to their audience. Mm. Yeah. But 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 I wondered what does the label because because uh, those of us of a generation who wouldn't would bought your records and 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 hear you on TV video soul and stuff we don't normally get we're not going to get the outlets as we used to and so does your label say okay um, this is how we're going to sort of get your off your audience to get to hear you um, we may just I don't know if it's on YouTube or we we need to get you touring um, and what then becomes success does it because we don't i I couldn't i i can't answer that mainly because music is taking its own course what is happening now is if you look at statistics real tours are coming back Mm -hmm. they're putting together the tours that are less uh organic and uh, mechanical, but they're putting really earthy, groovy tours together because they're trying to reach an audience. Even my son's uh, group, age group, is trying to find a more mature position in live shows. So in order for them to uh, accomplish the success of live shows, they would have to be a product of our age and our generation. And in order for that to happen, they will have had to sustain it. Right now, my son wants to wants to use my man. He'll use my band. This structure over structure. You're teaching them how to be better at what they're doing. We're upgrading the millennial mindset. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's what we definitely need, and that's what they definitely do need. Um, speaking of that, are you going to that supporting your new album? Are you? Are we going to see you touring? Um. Uh, and and what should we look out for when it comes to being on the road to, to touring? Well, you you know you're gonna get Andrew Stone, the authentic Andrew Stone. I will have my band. I will have everything that I usually have. But I mean, and I'll do my music the way that I do it. The structure will be pretty uh, similar to what. I been doing it's just that there'll be more material okay are, 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 are there dates i, I know that um, are, there, are there dates we should look out for and then the uk shortly after that so i'll be there for the entire month of march Oh, you'd be here in the UK for the entire month of in March? Europe. Oh, in Europe, all around Europe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And um and, and and for those in the US, when when should they expect to see you? Well, I start, I go to New York next week. Wow. I'll start doing some shows there. And uh 
when I come back, I'd say April, we're going to start some, you know, stateside dates. Wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be sure to um to make sure that people are, are, are definitely aware of that. Well, definitely, Angie, I definitely appreciate it. I mean, when I finish, I always ask my guests that if you were uh, sort of stuck in an elevator and, and you had, you know, a couple of hours before they get you out, do you have a favorite movie that you'd always like to watch? Yes, I would like to uh, watch uh, Passion of Christ. Oh, goodness, the Mel Gibson one. Wow, that that was a hard watch, you know, it was... Uh, it was a hard watch, but if I was... If I was stuck in an elevator, I would want to be reminded of his love. Wow. And and, and then the second th- question is always, what's your favorite song? Not by yourself, but just uh, your all-time sort of favorite song by any artist that, that you... Um, I, it's very hard to say because I am a smoking Norfolk fan. I really love uh, uh, any of his songs that kind of uh, generically uh, positive and pop with a soul tinge and performance. So I love Smokey Norfolk. Uh, but if I had to pick one song, uh, I like Leandra's, uh Johnson's Jesus. Okay. Okay, I've I've not heard that, but I will. I'll definitely look look out for that. The um, okay. yeah, I'll definitely look out for that. No, definitely, Andy. It's it's definitely been um, it's definitely been great to to be able to uh, to be able for us to be able to finish off um and 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 talk. The fact that you you you're back, I think for I speak for my generation who have been starved of good music and 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 um, most of our um artists from the 90s and 70s and 80s what they tend to do is they just tour but they're not really releasing new stuff so it's really it's really hopeful that we, we, we you 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 are joining the crew of releasing new things um absolutely you were recently okay. you were recently on um um they just recently honored you um uh, on be um black music honors yes and 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 um, but also um, but also the sequence that there was a recognition, more public recognition on on the on the contributions that finally, you finally, <laughs> finally, yeah. Well, hopefully on your shows you can you can would you drop a few? Could we could we hear you drop a few a few songs from the sequence? Oh yeah, definitely on my on my show, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I I do appreciate your time. I appreciate um um uh you know make make it time again, and we definitely look forward to seeing you when you you do come here to England. Um, you said uh, okay. next month. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for your patience. No, that's fine. Okay. Well, okay. have a have a good day. You too. Have okay. a good one. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for being part of the Halftime Chat community. Please remember to like, share and subscribe. Uh, but most importantly, why don't you consider being a member as a way of supporting the channel, but also getting a lot of videos ahead of time, a lot of behind the scenes stuff and some exclusive content that doesn't get shared. But anyway, thanks for watching and thanks for being part of Halftime Chat.